And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. There exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. Welcome to Two True Freaks. Whether you've been listening from the very beginning or you've been listening for a long time or whether this is your very first episode ever listening to Two True Freaks, we want to welcome you. We hope you enjoy the show. This is the last episode of Star Wars Monthly Monday. And you're probably going, <gasps> but the it's last my first episode. episode. <laughs> well, all I can say is be sure to stick around to the very end of the episode where we're going to have a special announcement concerning Two True Freaks and the future of us covering Star Wars, essentially. So there you go. My name, by the way, is Scott Gardner, and joining me, as always, is my bestest friend, Chris Honeywell. Hi. <laughs> How's it going, Freak? Good. Oh, man, it's good to be back. I'll tell you what. I just I've realized been... this is like... The third time we've shut, like the third or fourth time we've shut the book out in Marvel Star Wars, good. Well, it's all over <laughs> now. It's all we just over for the comics. We just didn't want to give it up. That's but what we it still is. got the the UK. <laughs> and now here yeah. we are. This is really, really, really it at this point. Yep, we've got three stories to cover this time around. The the last three. Uh, Marvel Star Wars stories from the Wild Space Omnibus, and then that really, truly is it. We have covered every damn thing that Marvel ever put out regarding Star Wars at this point. So, yeah, that's it. So if you're wondering why we're saying this is the last episode, well, we just felt that this was a good place to kind of close it out. You know, it makes sense. This, yeah, it really does. And, we and, started with issue number one yep. in our first episode. So, yep. So we decided to close the whole thing out, and uh, and we're gonna do something. Uh, we're gonna do something a little bit different in the future. Yeah. But uh, like I say, don't worry. Uh, we're not ditching Star Wars naturally. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars is so much of the both of us that there's no way we can uh, we can just leave Star Wars behind. It's just gonna take a new form. But you'll you'll hear all about that at the end of the show. It's, Star Wars is like the anchor of the whole Two True Freaks month. Yeah, no kidding. So kidding. It could be argued the anchor of uh, of a whole lot of the network, really. Right, right. Right up there with uh, with comics. Well, anyway, I know that uh, you had something that you wanted to discuss right here in the opener. Yes, I've been obsessed with getting Star Wars and Star Trek books lately. And I've even gotten a plan in my garage-sailing eBay plan, and that is 
I hunt the garage sales. Of course, I hunt the garage sales for also for nonfiction books, but I'm mainly hunting them for the fiction books. And because, uh, you know, a quarter, 50 cents for a Star Wars, Star Trek paperback. Maybe I'll never read it, but, you know, it would be cool to have all of them. But I've been hunting eBay for the nonfiction ones because people don't seem to sell those at, at rummage sales as, right, as yeah. often. You know, they read the books and then they, they've read 15 of the books and they're taking up a lot of space on their shelves. But the other ones are like reference books. But you find them on eBay cheap. And if you're dogged, you can find them really cheap. You know, you can wait until you find it for 99 cents or whatever. Mm. I believe both of these came from Goodwills, who are seem to always ship with no shipping and start things really cheap so you can get stuff cheap. But the first one is called uh, Star Wars on Trial by Smart Pop Books. And it has two editors. Uh, they're both writers. Uh, one for the prosecution, David Brin, and for the defense, Matthew Woodring Stover. And um, I was, you know, I was searching uh, late night on eBay for a, for Star Wars nonfiction, and I saw this. And uh, I was like, well, that's an interesting idea. It sort, it sort of sounds like that movie, The People versus George Lucas, you know. And I'm reading about the concept of it, and I'm like, all right, well, how big is this book? And it's like, ah, it's almost 400 pages long, you know, okay. This is this is some meaty, this sounds like it could be some meaty stuff, and these guys are all sci-fi writers. So it's probably good, really good arguments and discussion on, on Star Wars. And the, the subtitle of the book is Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Debate the Most Popular Science Fiction Films of All Time. And um, <clears throat> so I got it in the mail and I was really excited. And my excitement went right through the floor when I'm reading the back of it. And it says, see selective, selected excerpts from Star Wars on trial on the first page. And I'm like, okay. And um, so then I open up the first page and this is what it said. It's like a script, you know, it's like court minutes. David Brin, your honor, I'm a recognized expert on the politics of Star Wars. I refer you to my infamous Salon.com article published in Matthew Woodring Stover. Recognized by who? The Imperial Sith Show Trial Fake Certification Committee? Five Kowaki and Monkey Lizards on a six-day spice binge? But anyway, it sounds like just nerds trying to be funny. Right. And I was like, oh, shit, this is going to suck. And uh, then I opened it randomly and I open it to um, it's um, a chapter called Driving a Galaxy Far, Far Away or How Star Wars Loosened My Corsets by uh, witness for the defense, Karen Travis, who I remembered you telling me that her books were especially like uh, some of the best Star Wars EU novels yeah, that you read. most definitely, yeah. And that she was really into the Mandalorians. And basically, she tells her whole story of how, like, not only her career, but, like, her writing was invigorated by writing S Star Wars, how it made her a better writer, you know, with her not expect. It's basically a defense of writing um, franchise, you know, um, stories. For someone other, you know, you're not a real writer. You're just doing t 
tie-in books. And she addresses that. And I started reading it, and I was like, this is really good. And it turns out the book is really good. There's just short little pages in between some of the chapters with that with the stupid where it cuts back to the courtroom. And that's just and it's just stupid. Although there's some parts of it where they actually do where they'll actually comment on the last thing. It's very podcast like. And it's one of those books I'm milking this sucker cuz it's very enjoyable to read. There's a lot of just meaty discussion on the Jedi that I I just love the ethics of the Jedi, you know. Basically, there's one great chapter where a guy who's written for Star Wars, but he wrote the, the guy who wrote the um, Revenge of the Sith novelization has a chapter in here. Oh, what was his name? Lucino? Was it James Lucino? No, I think it's somebody different. I just had that book. Hang on. Looking at it right now, it is Matthew Stover. Matthew Stover, that's it. Yeah. All right, he's that's the right. he's yeah. the writer for the defense. And, hmm. And um, he was saying, look, I can't put this up as evidence because I signed disclosure stuff from George Lucas. But when I wrote that screen, when I wrote that novelization, you know, I basically could email George Lucas and say, you know, how would a Jedi do this or what is this, and he would tell me. Or what is this person's motivation? Or what's the backstory on this that's going on? And George Lucas would tell him. And uh, at one point he was just saying, I can't give any details. He's just like, but <laughs> let's just say that the Jedi were not meant to be portrayed positively in the prequels. You know, I can tell you for a fact that there was, there were things going on that, you know, were showing that, you know, the, the general idea was that the Jedi were, go, were on the skids ethically you know morally and ethically and uh it's, it's uh, stuff like that's just fascinating so highly 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 recommend this book and there's copies of it flying around ebay i got this for like 3.95 with no oh wow no shipping yeah but you could get it anywhere from like five to ten bucks floating around on on ebay there seem to be a lot of copies of it and maybe I, maybe it's cheaper on amazon use the uh, true true freaks amazon link but uh i i really really i'm enjoying the hell out of it the other book is one has a little story along with it is i i saw this a long time ago like three or four years ago in uh like a borders and it was it when it came out it was 60 bucks big coffee table book and uh then i saw it in borders for 20 bucks and I didn't buy it. And then I regretted it when I came home and looked it up. It's called The Sounds of Star Wars by J.W. Rinsler. And it's got a forward by Ben Burt. It's basically the Ben Burt story, you know. And uh, I didn't get it for the book. Although, now that I'm starting to read the book, the book is really well written. But it's um very similar I, by the same company that did the Star Wars trivia book that I have that has a similar sort of module attached to it that you would you know that you could look up the answer to the trivia question in it this one's a sound module and um, roughly sort of looking like a lightsaber and um, so each page 
we'll have, you know, a story about, you know, it goes chronologically through the movies. And there's even a, a little bit of Raiders here and there. But, uh, you know, you'll, you'll see a little number on a picture and you can pop it up on this and hear the sound effect. Well, when I did research on this, <clears throat> after I saw it for $20, I found out I was sort of skeptical about it because I know a lot of these little sound module things, they'll put like a 24-bit, you know, re MP3 recording of it on it. So it's just like, you know, here it comes to the little tiny speaker. Right. And, um, but... No, these are full uncompressed wave files and they're isolated. So they're the movie sounds totally isolated on a wave file and then here's the kicker right on the side is a mic is a headphone jack which means plug out into into the computer and there you have raw star star wars effects and it also has like you know, it has a lot of, you know, very familiar sound effects. But that, um, I, I wish I'd had some actually picked out. Those were just random ones. But, um. You know, some of them are just pieces of it. Some of them are little bits of the, you know, the lion that they and the bear that they recorded for Chewbacca, you know, and stuff like that. So it's fascinating. Plus, I can now I can has a file of star of Star Wars sound effects, all the walker legs coming down and stuff like that. So um, I regretted not getting this at twenty dollars when I found out that you could actually take the sound effects off it. And then once again, I found it on a, at a Goodwill online. The spine of the book is kind of, you can hear it's kind of loose and wobbly, but it's a It's filled with beautiful pictures, lots of backstage stuff and stuff. I've never, you know, stuff I've never seen before, unfamiliar pictures. And, uh, just oh, I can't. It's an awesome addition to the library. How much did you get it for? I got it for like five ninety five or something. Wow, like that. free postage and handling. Steal. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's... And I just had to wait a couple years until I saw it. You know, <laughs> real cheap. Uh, what was the retail on that? Sixty dollars when it first came out. Damn. Yeah. See, that's what I'm hoping uh, I'll be able to score one of those big... Have you seen those big coffee table books that they put out? There's like Making of Star Wars and Making of Empire. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're like a hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, I love them, but yeah, I, I can't afford that. So those I'm ones, that... you see, I worry, I, I worry about those ones not going that direction because I'll bet you they don't have the print run that this thing did, you know? Eh, you never know. You though. never know. You never that's know. That's true. But yeah, Maybe I'm a lot of people be... turn their head at a hundred dollars. So, yeah, I'm hoping to be walking through a flea market or a or a Salvation Army one day and or even find a, things like that. Or even the bookstore. Sometimes those books end up on the the um, sell through tape yeah. at the at the front. You know, yeah, that's like true. Dollars. Yeah, that's true. 
I haven't I haven't been haunting bookstores in a long time. I, I find around here I can't find them. We I, when I moved to this town we had it's a, a dying uh, business. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I have so much better. I I I got probably fifteen books today. Um, garage shaling. I'm I'm having trouble keeping up with my my books now. <laughs> I got I got a lot of books. I got a Disney book you might be interested in too. <gasps> what is it? It's a 20th anniversary. It's very similar to the last one you got, but it's white, and it's the mm-hmm. 20th anniversary of the park, of the entire park. I would I, be interested in that. If I don't already have it, I would be interested mm-hmm. in it. It's it's sort of the same deal, you know, glossy pictures of all the sections of, you know, it's basically a snapshot of the park at that, well, partic- I- uh, that particular year. After the one that that you sent me before, now I'm on a quest. I want to collect all the yearbooks. Oh wow! It's such a wonderful um, time capsule. Right, right. And I mean, like when the parks, for you know, when when Walt Disney World, for example, first opened up, uh, there's probably a lot of them because it seemed like they were doing one every, not necessarily every year, but every couple of years. In more recent years, it's not been that you know that frequent. You know, it's like maybe every five years or something like that. But, oh, I figured they'd put one out every year. No, huh. no, they don't. Not anymore, anyway. But, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to collect those things because, like I say, just such a such an awesome time capsule. But you know, like the one I got from you was for the year two thousand. Well, I didn't start going as an adult until ninety nine. So this was basically a snapshot of here's how it was when you first started going. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't think necessarily that it would have changed that much in 14 years. But man, oh, 14 years. Sure. It's always. Yeah, changed. it's yeah, well, it is. It's ever changing. And and it's just mind blowing, you know, because you can you can sit down and you can think, all right, what's different? And you, know, you, you can think of, you know maybe five or six things off the top of your head. But after a while, you're struggling to go, I don't remember if that was there or not. And sitting down and actually seeing it, you know, in, in these glorious pictures and everything, you realize, oh, my God, it's really changed a lot in, in a, you know, in a relatively small amount of time. So, yeah, that was that was really cool. I, that was a really nice walk down memory lane. So now I'm <laughs> now I'm on a quest to get more of them like yeah. that because I just think it's really cool. I also I got a bunch of Bermuda Triangle books. Oh, all, all and all the the paperbacks I got today were in just beautiful, pristine. One of them actually has like it's like the Bermuda Triangle, and it's got a cut, you know, the cutout cover paperback cover with a skull in it. And I used to have that one as mm-hmm. a kid, but this one's yep. in nicer shape than the one I had when I was a kid. The one I had as a kid was all busted up. And I got It'd be fun uh, to do a freak files on that. Just talking about all the books that there were on the subject. I've got a massive collection of that stuff. I've read a fraction of them. They're but, good to put by the crapper and just open up oh, the yeah. chapter and go, okay, let's see what you got here. Yeah. Well, I can remember one of those books and I couldn't tell you which one it was, but one of those books that was part of that seventies glut of, they always called them occult books, which are kind of bothered me a bit because they're not really a cult, but it's no. like weird interest kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, Bermuda Triangle and that sort of thing. One of those books, and I, again, I couldn't tell you which one it was, was where I heard for the first time, not long before the movie came out, uh, I remember reading there was a chapter all about how they had gone down into these mines in, I don't know where it was, South America or Africa or somewhere, and they were digging and they would find things locked in amber that were 
you know, thousands or maybe even millions of years old, you know, these prehistoric creatures that were that were trapped in amber. And then I remember when the first trailers started to come out for Jurassic Park and seeing, you know, uh, what's his name's cane with the with the mosquito inside and going, hey, I wonder if they got that idea from that book. You know, probably not. But in my mind, they kind of did because I had just read about that, you know, so I thought that was cool that. You know, evidently that uh, it wasn't that far fetched an idea to, right. to find something like that and, and be able to extract something out of it and, and bring back a, a bygone age kind of thing. I just thought that was cool. I, I've often wondered if, uh, you know, if maybe Crichton, you know, had read the same the same book or the same story at some point, And that was, you know, kind of what germinated the idea in his head. I have no idea of that, but I just thought that was kind of cool. It's possible. I also got the novelization of uh, adaptation of The Fog. Ah. The Fog. I had no idea there was one. Neither did I. There it is. <laughs> uh, actually, when I saw it, I remembered seeing it on the books, you know, dime store books shelves when I was a kid. Hmm. But, yeah. Books, uh, yeah. And, like, I, 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 last night before I went to bed, I started rearranging my star trek and star wars bookshelves because i don't have them according to whether they're fiction or non-fiction and i have to start doing that because <laughs> i'm running out of room so i have to put fiction in one place and non-fiction in another but i'm getting i'm i'm starting to get proud of my non-fiction star wars star trek <laughs> collection well it's funny i See, at first I wasn't sure where you were going to go with this. I, I, I thought I almost expected you to say that you were going to start, um, you know, that you were starting to build a collection of Star Wars books as in like the like the EU novels. I, I am <laughs> going to do that, too, as I see them cheap at garage sales. <laughs> well, it just it strikes me as so funny that, you know, not long ago I, I finally decided to dive into it. And then when the announcement came down that, well, we're scrapping the EU, I'm like, well, I'm done then. I have no interest at this point. <laughs> no. I, I'm very curious to, to find out where our well, that uh, means where I'll our be... Scott Rifen stands on that because well, the... I know that he's just gutted by this idea that, you know, that they're they're scrapping the EU. But it's See, funny I will, that I'll just not care. I'll just read them anyway and not and pretend that they didn't scrap them and right. not worry about it until there's some major clash. But, yeah, maybe I'll. uh you know, maybe I'm like Sir Mix-a-Lot when, you know, all the people in disgust drop their EU books. I'll roll up up to them on the street and say, hey, baby, hop in. Well, yeah, yeah, you're going to be able to scarf that stuff up yeah. really cheap here shortly, I would imagine. Not that it's not already cheap, because uh, I yeah, have I just about a complete collection at this point, because when I started to get interested in it not long ago, I just... I started haunting, you know, used bookstores and, and, you know, again, Salvation Army and Goodwill stores are a great place to find mm -hmm. nerd books, a mm -hmm. great place to find them really cheap. I, I almost every time I have been to a Goodwill store recently, I have found at Something. least a Trek book, at least one Trek book in there somewhere. So, I mean, they, they're there to be had on the extreme cheap. But anyway, you know, last night I was talking to uh, our buddy Michael Bennett. He and I were uh, were recording a new episode. And I won't tell you what it was, but we were recording a new episode. And it's funny, right at the exact same time that I, you know, I'm just like, I'm done as far as the EU books. It's like, well, they scrapped it, so what's the sense? And I'm not sure, again, you know, where, where Scott Rifen is at the moment other than stung. But here's here's Michael 
well, he's decided to dive into the EU. And I'm like, this is so weird. At a time when I would think that's like, everybody would be like, well, I'm done. You know, here he is like diving. Well, in. maybe maybe there's been a, an, a side effect that nobody anticipated of sparking new interest in the EU. Right. Now that it's verboten. Yeah, now that it's dead, people are people are finding it. Yeah, yeah. That's, so it's interesting. So it, it might entirely... end up having more life than it had before. You know? Right. I'm not entirely convinced that it's dead anyway. Right. I, I, I wish I could properly credit who I heard mention this recently. And I'd kind of had the same idea in my own head anyway, but, but somebody had recently said that uh, they suspect what's going to happen. This was probably on Dinner for Geeks, come to think of it, but... Uh, they suspect what's going to happen is very similar to what happened to the EU itself a few years back, where for the longest time, Marvel Star Wars was treated like this redheaded stepchild of, Mar- uh, of Star Wars canon. You know, they, it wasn't officially recognized and it was considered, you know, silly and goofy and nobody, you know, everybody wanted to kind of forget about it and pretend it never existed. But slowly over time people that were fond of that stuff that had grown up on that stuff and that did have a sentimental attachment to it as these people began to work in the eu they be they began to kind of cherry pick elements of marvel star wars and incorporate them into the actual novel eu to a point where we eventually got to things like legacy of the force where you have a major character in that series of novels that comes directly from Marvel Star Wars. So, um, you know, the speculation was that maybe the EU isn't as dead as we think because there's a lot of characters in the EU that fans are really fond of. That, you know, whether it's a character or an idea or whatever. So who's to say that in a few years as a new EU begins to develop that mm-hmm. people won't go back and cherry pick the old EU right. get the stuff for that concepts works and that people like yeah. you know and that that's people actually want. not a bad idea it really isn't because you, you um, could ditch some deadwood and, and exactly because i i find myself in the in kind of the same predicament that that Scott Rifen is it 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 pisses me off that they scrapped it you know they they they've it, it's sounding at least at first it seems like they just kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater but i find myself in a strange position of being pissed off about that because like scott himself has said um there's a lot of it that sucks i mean a a, a vast majority of the eu is actually not very good so it's like why are we so upset about this so, because you're losing the because it feels like you're losing the stuff that's really good though the stuff right, that's really yeah. good stands out the other stuff it's like all right that can go but does this have to go you know I, I think it just for me I I think it touches that that continuity nerve you know because I've always been that guy I've always been the continuity guy right. you know and I so I think it just rubs that nerve but. If there is a glimmer of hope in there, I, I do think that's probably what's going to happen. I won't be surprised one bit if that happens with the new trilogy of films that they cherry pick the EU um, for concepts and maybe even characters. Do you think Thrawn or something? Like I that? hope not. I really hope not. But I can see. Again, maybe not characters whole cloth, but ideas for characters. I, more I'm talking about like concepts, 
you know, concepts and, yeah. and, and ideas and, and directions as opposed to like characters altogether. Right. Although that would be kind of cool too. I mean, there are some really great characters that came out of the EU, but I don't know. It, it depends on which way they go with it and everything. See, the thing with Thrawn for just as an example is if they, if they take that character because I, I will acknowledge that while I don't like him, Lots that of a lot of really other people do. So maybe they can take that character and work you know, their magic with him and make him work in the movies the way I don't think he works in the novels. So it's possible. So again, you know, there's a glimmer of hope there too. Hey, if they can make the guy work, you know, more power to him, then you know, I'm on board with that. It's just at the moment, the way he's written, I, I, he just doesn't work for me. But... I don't know. I, I'd like to think there's a glimmer of hope in there somewhere. I'm I'm not crazy about what they've done, but who knows? You know, long term, eh, it might shake out all right. So we'll just we'll just have to kind of we we'll have to go for the ride. But I tell you one thing: they're not sending my... the Disney police to people's house to collect up the EU books. So that's exactly. a good sign. Exactly. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> but you know, I, I, you I know tell something you, we don't know. To get on my soapbox for just just for a moment, I tell you what, man, I'm about ready to start taking hostages if they don't stop with the constant shit on the internet about, you know, somebody on the set of Star Wars Episode Seven just ripped a fart. You know, it's like, it's, come on, seriously, it's the I internet, don't man. know every, you know, it's the I, internet. We all knew this oh, had to happen. Me, uh, it's oh, been it's making it, me nuts. I think man. it's. I've felt it's been. Plus, I've been also ignoring a lot of it, but I felt it's been actually kind of mild. But I'm afraid no. as we get closer and closer, it's going to go batshit crazy. Um, yeah, like before the show started, we were just discussing. Um, uh, I'd read it on a thread that Scott Rifen had put up about, uh, you know, somebody leaked the first scene of of the movie and it's a total for people who've been listening to the show there it you you know what we mean when i say it, it was an adoy moment and for people who haven't listened when scott and i were kids and was it jedi it was jedi when jedi was it was not, yeah we were in the period between empire and jedi and there was all that rampant speculation about who was going to be the other yeah. What was going to be his story? Was Luke uh, really Vader's son and all that sort of stuff? So, yeah, that that's it was that middle ground. Scott and I were looking through this cheesy, like, knockoff. Star Blasters. Star what? Star Blasters. Star Blasters magazine. Because I've been watching that issue on eBay for it. When it finally, when I finally find it for, I don't know, like three bucks or something, I'm going to pick it up. Because I, I keep watching it on eBay. It keeps popping up, but it's always just that much yeah. like too expensive yeah. you know and uh basically they said that that yoda was going to have a brother named adoy which was <laughs> just yoda, yoda spelled backwards and you know this whole just ridiculous fanfic like story you know I, I it was so fake that scott and i read it and we're just like this is the most retarded thing we've ever seen 
That's see, that's the thing about that story that I'm most proud of is that as as young and gullible and naive and whatever other not thing for you a second say, did we buy that. Both we just looked at each other and we were like, no friggin' way. Yeah. This is not the story for for Return of the Jedi. I, at that time, I think it was still being called Revenge. Uh-huh. But we we just looked at each other and it's like, are you buying These this shit? No, I'm not buying this shit. Asses. Yeah. Um, yep. But, uh, well, that particular rag was chock full of stories. That was their like specialty. That. They were like that. that was their was, they yeah. were like the nerd national inquirer. It turns out, <laughs> right, right. which means they're <laughs> awesome. Which news. means, especially in hindsight, like that's why they're. That's why I, I'm I'm also always you know sort of vulturing ep- issues of that, and they're always like yeah, a little too expensive, you know, on eBay. But that's why because they're just an awesome read, you know. Uh, when when like if you're gonna buy old magazines from that time it's almost like you just might as well just get Starlog or something like that because they all had the same pictures the same sort of articles and stuff but this one was different because it was just ridiculous speculation and uh you know i mean they were they were uh, it was like they were trying to fool five-year-olds or something that was pretty much what they were shooting for and and the 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 you know the rumor of the first scene of and it it it's so weird to I, I'm not gonna say what what the scene is because I don't if it turns out to be real I don't want to spoil anything of a Star Wars movie but if it is real it's a doy like and we're gonna get more and more and more of that I I've been sort of hoping that that's what they would do on the set, that they would be like, let's do a, a blue harvest right. and just put out crap, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, I got to tell you, when I saw that, like, I was reading the thing, they're doing some fundraiser for UNICEF with with Star Wars, and you can, it's almost like um, PBS or something, you can pay on different scales and you get different things. If you put in 50 grand... You and twenty friends get to see Star Wars like at a, a way advanced screening of it, hmm. and then I thought, you know, if we got twenty of our nerds together, if we would have known this a couple years in the past, depending on how much our nerds make, you know, in their office, but you know, we could have scrimped up, and if each person saved like two and a, you know twenty five hundred bucks, there's your fifty grand right there, you know, amongst twenty people. And uh, it could have conceivably, we could have conceivably had a Two True Freaks advanced screening of Episode 7. But when, I don't know if you watched the video for that with J.J. Abrams, like. Yes, and every time I see that video, I know it's 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 wrong and I shouldn't say it, but damn, I want to punch him right in the face. <laughs> yeah, well, he's. There's... He has the most punchable face, it's, doesn't he? It's not. Well, no, because. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not his face. It is his face that you want to punch. But his face is just like a guy face. You know, he's just a very normal guy looking. He looks like, you know, the guy in the cubicle next to you. His hair is a little gelled up, but he lives in Hollywood, so whatever. They're all like that. They're all like that. Part of it is he looks like one of those assholes from uh, from Big Bang Theory is what he looks like, and I just I want to punch those guys too. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the it's the cleaned up nerd sort of thing. 
<laughs> I guess. But I've always found his like live in person persona to be smarmy Hollywood asswipe. Shallow. <laughs> Look it up. It's a type. Actual type. Do you remember when we, when we went to Dragon Con and there was a guy who yes, was corporate douchebag. Corporate douchebag man. Now there needs to be a, a new cosplayer that's what did you call it? Smarmy Hollywood asswipe. I like that. Too bad we can't uh yeah, our friend Oh man. Oh my god. Well, it's that. He just has that, like, it's just like, he's a jerk. But whatever. I think they're all jerks in Hollywood. I think something about Hollywood does that to you. Um, I was just watching an interview with a comedian who used to be just plug ugly. And that's part of being a comedian. It's like Don Rickles or something, you know? And, um, and And his comedy was based on him being, like, brutally honest about you know his self-hatred or stuff but when he went to hollywood he got all this plastic surgery to make him look now he looks quote unquote normal or whatever and it's just like wow this guy just took all the character out of his face you know because he the pressure to be like pretty in hollywood is so anyway anyway none nonetheless when i saw that little video clip of um jj abrams i just sort of put like the japanese porn um fade out over his whole body, you know, so he was just a blur. And I was looking at that pro, you know, weird X-wing like fighter. And uh when the guy's climbing up it, <clears throat> his foot hits the side of it and what do you hear? Clung like a boat. And I'm like, "Oh my god. Goddamn physical prop sitting out in a physical environment and a real, you know, droid rolling by and i'm like that that gives me some hope i like all the set pictures are like the stuff that they've officially released has sort of been communicating you know look at this piece of physical um you know special effects work and i like that i just saw the new terry gilliam movie um which was very visual and the one thing I noticed about it is I was like, he built these sets. <laughs> these are real, you know. I mean, there's obviously like TV screens and stuff going on all over the place where they had to green screen them in and stuff. But he built all the stuff, you know, that everybody else would do with CG these days. And you can tell the difference, you know. It, it just feels more real. And I'm hoping that's what, I'm hoping we have a a Star Wars movie more grounded in visual reality. Oh, I'm sure. When I was at uh, Star Wars Weekends this year, there was a video that they kept. It's almost like like a mini. Oh, it was like the advertisement thing that he put out with the X-wing. Yeah, uh-huh. but it was uh, you know one of these mini things for whatever that the cause is that he's hawking in that thing. I got to be honest, I didn't pay a whole lot I, of attention to it. I, I want to say it's UNICEF, but I may not be right. But he was on set, and it was a Tatooine-like environment behind him. It looked like a marketplace or something, kind of like, like Mos Espa or something. And there's an E.T.-like... You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of... Remember the... I can't tell you what issue number it was, but there was that issue where, where Luke was on 
that like elf quest planet yes and he meets et like like bearded old et yes. that, that makes him stick his hand in the scorpion jar or whatever there's a creature that looks just like that that's wearing like a big bundle pack and he walks by and he kind of looks like like looking at jj like who are you talking to kind of thing and kind of shakes his head and keeps walking but you could tell that it wasn't a jar jar it was physical it was a real I, I don't know what it was i don't know if it was an animatronic if it was a muppet i don't know but it was it was pretty cool looking because you could tell it was there with him it was yes. not cgi'd in yes. and it was pretty impressive pretty impressive so i i like that they're going that route that you know it it, it isn't just them saying oh we're gonna try to do more you know, practical stuff, you can see that, no, they're doing a practical world. And that's pretty neat. I, I like that. So and it gives me it gives me some hope for it. Just real quick, quick, because I know you got a shout out to, to do. What do you sure. think of the trailers they've been putting out for the the uh, Star Wars Rebels? Uh, <laughs> no, I was hoping somebody wouldn't ask me about oh, that. OK, only because um, I don't you know, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer about it, but I got to be honest, I'm just not interested. Well, I, maybe if I actually watch see, that's the thing is I, I'm, I'm uninformed. I've kind of been staying away from it because, again, well, the earlier the stuff EU... that they were saying about it was making me go like, yeah, the last couple trailers. I like the visual look of it. It's a little different than Clone Wars. It's a lot right. more balloony, but it's got a real old school Star Wars feel to it. You know, it's more it's got stormtroopers. And I will probably check it out, mm -hmm. but I'm not psyched up for it. Like when Clone right. Wars was coming out, I, I could uh, hopefully this isn't, you know, me me rewriting history, but I think I was pretty excited for Clone Wars if I remember properly. This I'm just I don't know I'm just not feeling it so far but I don't know maybe something will happen that'll kind of kind of sway me I, I think part of the problem is is that I don't know and this is gonna make me sound like a complete hypocrite because I'm pretty sure I'm on record saying I don't want them to do this but there's not anybody recognizable in it, it it's basically Arthur and 3PO are in it oh are they yep. in it well I don't know if they're in it a lot but the, I saw scenes with R2 and 3PO in them. I mean, it it takes place before three PO three PO with a silver leg. Oh, cool! Uh, but I mean, it it takes place before a New Hope, and it seems, at least on the surface, again, this is with me really not knowing anything beyond just the pictures I've seen, and and the few things I've heard. But on the surface, it it looks like basically a new hope before a new hope it, it has characters that seem kind of like there's a star wars a young jedi and yeah and somebody guiding him but they're not you know and but there's a there's a chewy character that looks like the old ralph mcquarrie chewy the sort right. of weird lizardy chewy so there's a lot of ralph mcquarrie floating around in it which i like. right um and but i, I think just... i said this on michael bailey's thread on it is Visually, it looks really colorful and, and action-packed. And um, as far as like Disney doing a Star Wars movie, I don't worry about it becoming quote-unquote Disney-fied. Mm -hmm. But with a cartoon show that kids might see, I do worry about that because right. I don't see Disney going like, let's, you know, I mean, 
Clone Wars was kind of edgy for little kids, I, I have to say. There were people dying left and right in Clone Wars, although people are dying in this one, too, because I'm seeing TIE fighters get blown up. But I just don't think it'll... I don't think they'll go some of the places, some of the dark, play, dark-ish dark places they went for with Clone Wars. I hope they do, though. I they hope they do, too. To, with it being set in the era that it's set in, it should go dark should be places, pretty dark, so. yeah. But... I guess my problem with it is that, you know, one of the common criticisms I've heard about, say, Enterprise, for example, is that it's a prequel, but they seem to be doing everything first, you know, before Kirk and crew. So I think this one runs the risk of kind of doing the same thing, is that it it may chip away at, at the uniqueness of the team of, you know, Luke and Han and Chewie and Leia and the droids and everything by being set prior to that and, and having similar characters doing the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Has similar characters doing the same sorts of things before the first movie. And I don't know if I'm cool with that. So it depends. But I again, mean, I mean, I, it, it, I, I and it also may be something not for me, but it also might be a good um, entry level for little kids. To Star mm-hmm. Wars, which would be cool by me too. Yeah, I'm all about that. Yeah, I'm all about you know keeping keeping future generations interested in Star Wars. So absolutely, but like I say, that that is with me really not knowing a whole heck of a lot about it, kind of staying away from it, just you know from general lack of interest. So I mean, it might come out of the gate and completely blow me away. I will at least sample it. Yeah, you know to to see you know what the deal is and everything. But I don't know. I've been wondering. I'm you definitely know, very interested because are... it's going to be the first official Disney offering right. of Star Wars. It will be that will be the, you know, dipping your toes in the water. So I'm curious. I'm very curious how other people are feeling about it, you know, right now prior to it actually being released, because I know that they were pushing it hot and heavy at... Um, Star, Star Wars weekends this year, and I sure have seen an awful lot of that merchandise oh, in the sure. bargains now. So you know that doesn't usually happen with Star Wars stuff, but yeah. every, almost everything I've seen that are you know remainders from Star Wars weekends, just about everything is is related to Rebels. So I don't I don't know I don't know if that's normal or I don't know if that's a good sign a bad sign. I really don't might know. Not but... be, it might be it might be it might be unprecedented because buying Star Wars was kind of unprecedented. So this is true. Definitely. I mean, they had the they had the little sweet deal before, but now it's theirs. So it's a different right. it's a different thing. So, yeah, and they might want to really market the front end of it. An awful lot. Right. Well, real quick before we uh, probably take a little break and then get into the main body of the show here. But real quick before we do that, I have a uh, a shout out that is uh, starting to get a little long in the tooth. So I want to make sure that it happens. (laughs) Uh, A while back, I got a nice, big, heavy box in the mail. And I'm like, ooh, what is this sweetness? And it turns out it's from my good friend, David A. Pascrell. And David was down here again. Um, oh, that's how you guys just met up, ago, right? Now. Yeah, no, we'd, we'd met before because he came down here. He reminded me while we got together that that was two years ago already. Couldn't believe it. But he was down here again recently, came down with his family, and they, they were vacationing at, uh, at Walt Disney World. They stayed over at uh, uh, Port Orleans Resort, where my wife and I have stayed recently. 
And uh, and we got together for just a, a brief little bit. David's a great guy. Never seems to age the bastard. Um, but he's a really good guy. And uh, he sent me this box. And, uh, and I tear open the box, really not knowing what to expect in here. And holy cow, dude, I could not believe what he sent to me. Here, here you go. Here's the rundown. He sent me. Now, these are the trades, mind you. Not just single issues. These are trades. Star Wars Empire Volume 1. Whoa. Star Wars Empire Volume 2. Star Wars Empire Volume 3. Oh, my God. Star Wars Empire Volume 4. Yes. This is like, I mean, this is the vast majority of Star Wars Empire. I don't know if I've talked about Empire a whole lot on the show, but I I've read love, some of Empire and it's really good love the series. Well, this was the one I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before, but there was a story where it, it focuses on this young Imperial officer and he goes on this mission to the planet. And I can't remember what the what the guys are called. It, it's those salamander looking dudes from Jabba's palace. You know what I'm talking about? The. The Morian guards? Uh, no, no, no. It was the ones that look like a. They look like one of those roly poly lizard things. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I can't think of what it's called. Um, it had a weird name, like Yummin or something like that. But anyway, they go to that planet, and they end up breaking a taboo, and the people attack them, and it's essentially like Custer's Last Stand, Star Wars style. But you come to really empathize and feel for this young Imperial. He's not evil. You know, and he's trying to do the right thing. He tried to warn them and nobody listened to him. And now they're facing being annihilated by these natives and everything. Great story. And he becomes kind of a breakout character uh, in Empire. And then later on in a a future storyline that involves Luke, he comes back again. And in that story, it's revealed who he really is and how he's tied to luke skywalker and the first time i read that i had no idea and it completely blew my socks off and remains one of my favorite star wars comic stories it's really really good stuff um i'm kind of tiptoeing around the story because for one i don't want to spoil it for anybody but i know that uh that mike bailey's digging into this stuff right now and i don't want to spoil it for him but if you know what i'm talking about you know it's awesome if you don't know what i'm talking about seek it out and read it it's uh uh, you know, it's in Star Wars Empire, and I know that it's collected uh, in these issues that he he sent to me. So I am really, really appreciative of this because I've been wanting to get a complete collection of uh, of Empire for the longest time. And th- if this isn't all of it, this is definitely a hell of a chunk of it. It's so definitely I close really enough to where you that. get the rest really easy. Yeah, absolutely. There was actually a couple others in here. There's a Star Wars Vader's Quest. This is the that's uh, again, a good one too. I've read that. That's really, really good. What's cool about this is that it tells a very similar story to the early issues of the Marvel thing, but I was reading something online that actually puts everything together in a timeline, and it actually fits rather nicely, which I thought was really cool. Because on a, on a surface glance, it almost seems like they contradict each other, right. but it actually doesn't, the way it was explained, how they could actually work together. Um, I got the trade of St- uh, Star Wars Splinter of the Mind's Eye, nice. which... No is a favorite story of mine. Really good stuff. And one that I've been meaning to track down for a while. I have never read this, and I'm really looking forward to it because this is one of my favorite EU characters. Star Wars Mara Jade by the Emperor's Hand. So really looking forward to reading that because I like that character a lot. She uh, She's really cool. 
So, I mean, I'm looking at these and looking at the original prices on these trades. And I mean, I didn't do the math, but just off the top of my head, this has got to be like easily a hundred bucks yeah. worth of books here, you know? So, David, uh, man, I really appreciate it. This was a hell of a gift, and I really, really appreciate it. This was very, very cool. So, thank you so much. Uh, these uh, these are definitely going to find a, a nice place in my collection. And maybe they were a hint as to what he wants to hear on future Star Wars Two True Freaks episodes. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I am all about us covering you know any of this stuff at some point, especially Empire. I would love for us to cover uh-huh. Empire. So. You know, that that's, you know, the future is wide open for for where we're going to head from here. So I definitely want to hear from the listeners. Where do you guys want us to go from here? What do you want to hear us cover? Because I'm all about at this point kind of maybe dropping some something of the index type of project and just, you know, just have fun. Just jump around and, and, you know, cover things here and there. So let us know what you want us to do. But uh yeah, I'd be all about covering Empire because I'm I'm not sure how much of it you've read, but I know you'd love it because it is a damn good series. I think I read like the first four or five issues. I think I actually went out and bought the first four or five issues. Good stuff. Really good stuff. It shades in uh, Vader very nicely. Uh, is one of the you know the feats that it accomplishes. I think because mm-hmm. you know it's set right in that you know like building the Empire phase. You know and and, and because so much of it is told from the Imperial side, you get a lot more of Vader and, and his inner conflicts and his inner monologues and motivations and that sort of and I like it. I really shaded that character in nicely, I thought. It's good stuff. Well, speaking of index shows... There you go. It's time to wrap it all up. You want to take a little break first? I'd say we take a little break and come back and polish this baby off. All right. Hello and thank you for calling the Tales of the Justice Society of America 24-hour live human being customer service hotline. Hello, I... Unfortunately, all uh, of our representatives are sleeping. Or busy. Uh, busy. All of our representatives are busy right now. But if you stay on the line, your call will be answered in reverse Hungarian alphabetical order, starting with the letter... D. Okay. Your call is very important to us. Please stay on the line. Alright. We are experiencing longer than usual wait times. Your call will be answered in... 94. Minutes. Please continue to hold. Your call is extremely important to us. Please stay on the line. Check us out on the web at www.2truefreaks.com. Your call is ridiculously important to us. Yeah, if my call's so important, then why don't you answer it? What the f*** is taking so long? You may be asking yourself, what the f*** is taking so long? Um, We'll be with you shortly. Please continue to hold. Answer. Answer the goddamn... Let me check, is he still there? Ah! Guys, he's still holding! 
Oh, <laughs> we're sorry for your weight. Please continue to hold. God damn it! Tales of the Justice Society of America is back with all new episodes. Only at twotruefreaks.com. Welcome back to Star Wars Monthly Monday, the final episode. <laughs> no. And, um. That's not true. Oh, it's possible. <laughs> um, that was shitty Luke Skywalker right there, folks. Usually we would, uh. And what's funny is up here in Rochester, shitty is, uh, um, used a lot of times to mean really drunk. <laughs> and that sort of fit with it, too. It did sound like sort of a real... Is that true? <laughs> is it possible? <laughs> you know what I need to do? I need to... I got a picture recently my, my mom sent me because they were visiting... Uh, my mom and dad were visiting uh, relatives up in New York State. And my mom sent me a picture of my dad with all of his siblings... And I'm telling you, dude, I'm not real worried. You know, God bless him and everything, but I'm not real worried about Mark Hamill at this point because if anything happens to him, my Uncle Steven can step right in. <laughs> Damn, does he look just like him. It's funny. He's got well, the same beard now and everything. I was just going to say, really you know, I was just going to say, did you see the picture of Mark Hamill with his Jedi beard? Yeah. And Steven looks, he's, he's a dead ringer. Well, he looks like a combination of Steven and you put some glasses on him and he looks a little like my dad. Yeah. <laughs> but my dad, like when we were in high school age, you know? <laughs> right. So it was weird. But I, th uh, yeah, I, I thought the Jedi beard was working good for. Yeah. Yeah, he could be a he stunt was double. Funny. Did you listen to the episode that I did on uh, for Star Wars? Uh, uh, Star Wars weekend? I, I, I'm ashamed to say I've not yet. I've just not had time. I'm so far behind on. Because I'll tell you what. Other shows that I, I know of, and I, they will remain nameless, but other shows I know of gave you clips of Mark Hamill speaking at Star Wars weekends. I gave you the whole damn show, all right? That's all I'm saying. It was good, though. It, he was very funny, very engaging, told some really good stories. It's funny because my first impression when he came out on the stage was... He doesn't really want to be here. He's going to kind of schlep through this thing. But then once the show started, you know, the, the actual interview show that he was at, you know, if he didn't want to be there, you, you never knew it because he was very professional. But like I say, very engaging, really funny and uh, and really t told some really good stuff. So if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go back. Oh, that's probably what a couple months old at this point. It was a special episode that I put out um, just covering. uh uh, my day at, uh, at Star Wars Weekends this year. It was the... I, I actually held off. I usually go right away as soon as Star Wars Weekends kick off, and this year I, I waited and I went uh, the particular day, the very first day that uh, that Mark Hamill was there for Star Wars Weekends, because it was his first time. He'd never been to Star Wars Weekends oh. before, apparently, so it was his first appearance there, I, and it was huge. I can I mean, see why deal. he would be hesitant, because... I mean, it seems like this way for most actors, too, and I, I understand why it would be. It's like the homework of making a movie is doing publicity for it. 
mm-hmm. and he's had to do Star Wars publicity for three Star Wars movies. So if anybody right. would be sick of it or know it, you know, at least he's had, you know, a couple decades to rest, you know, right. over a couple decades to rest. But yeah, it's good, though. It was good stuff. He uh, he did a Joker impression. That was really good. Well, not a, you know, not an impression. He is. He the did Joker, the Joker. You know what voice, I mean? He yeah. did the Joker. Yeah, he did the Joker. But it was it was really good. It was solid stuff. So yeah, if you haven't heard it, go give it a listen. Anyway, all right. So it's a little man. different. This usually we have a synopsis for the comic we're reading, but this comic has three stories in it, so yep. we have three different synopses. <laughs> there you go. And you have drawn the straws for the first one. Yes. I'm actually glad that this shook out the way that it did because I really wanted to have the last story. Not oh, really? I thought that story. would have been the last one you would have wanted. I was sort of like, oh, I'm pawning that one off on him. No, I, I'm really glad it shook out this way because, as it turns out, the last story, believe it or not, as wacky as it is, has a, has a well, I was going to say an important connection. I'll just say it has a connection. It has a connection to the... Marvel Star, you know, the American Marvel Star Wars in that it actually solves a mystery that was posed that we posed ages ago in an old episode um, from the Carmine Infantino days. So uh, when that comes around, I'll uh, I'll lay into that. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into this. Now, we are, are of course, uh, we're covering this from the um, the Star Wars omnibus, the Wild Space Volume one omnibus. Now. I, I'm sure we've pointed this out before, but just you know, just to be thorough, I'll point it out one more time. The odd thing about this omnibus when it comes to these stories is it's not reprinting the issues that they appeared from. It's reprinting classic Star Wars Devil Worlds, which is itself a reprint. So it's really odd that they did it this way. So when you get to this chapter of the omnibus... Um, this actually starts issue two of Devil World. So it's called Classic Star Wars Devil Worlds, number two. This was published by Dark Horse, oh, I don't know, 10-something years ago. And so they actually reprint the cover of Devil Worlds, number two. It's uh, by Chris, I'm going to guess Miller is probably his name. Muller, Mueller, something like that. Mueller. Uh, Christopher Mueller. Mueller. <laughs> but it's actually a really Mueller. good cover. It's... <laughs> It's Han and uh, and uh, Leia and uh, chained up Chewie, uh, but it's painted. It's really nice. It's a good looking cover. And uh, so anyway, getting into this, the first story in here is called "Rust Never Sleeps," which I think was wasn't that like a Neil Young, Neil Young album? song? Yeah, yep. song and album. Um, first, uh, now this story first appeared in the Empire Strikes Back Monthly, which of course is a is a UK title. It was the Marvel Star Wars uh, UK title. Which, uh, all right, now, by the way, I just wanted to mention this. If you're looking at this issue from a downloaded copy, like you just you got it on, off the net somewhere, then just be aware that the contents of issues 155 and 156, for some weird-ass reason, they're actually flip-flopped in most of the CBRs that are circulating around the Internet. I have no idea why. So the, the, the wrong content, like the right covers are on the CBRs, but once you get past the cover, the contents are actually flip-flopped. I, somebody just messed up, I guess. Like a Channel 11 Star Trek. <laughs> right. But it, it really threw me when uh, when I was researching this. Anyway, now the story was, of course, all the stories in this uh, in this chapter are, were all presented in glorious black and white when they first appeared. 
Um, this particular story in in uh, the Empire Strikes Back 156, it was the first feature in the issue, which also contained a slightly edited reprinting, believe it or not, of ROM number one, ROM Space Night, which again, you know, in it's it's in glorious black and white, slow, uh, slightly oversized. It looks really sharp. And then uh, the last feature in there was the first half of Marvel Star Wars number 57, which was Hello, Bespin, Goodbye, where it starts out where Lando is falling, you know, because he's just been knocked off a cloud city. Now, the weird thing about the reprinting of ROM number one that's in here is that it uh, continues on for several more pages past ROM number one, and it actually reprints the first 10 pages and I think they may be slightly edited as well. I didn't check that, but it's the first 10 pages of ROM number three. There's no break. There's no attention called to the fact that (laughs) we have just, just, yeah, we, we've just changed issues. We've jumped ahead in the narrative and we've skipped an entire issue of the series. It's, it's really weird, but it actually flows, believe it or not. It, it doesn't, I mean, just I didn't read all of it, but just kind of looking it over, it was like, well, that works, I guess. It, you know, it's it, it, it's not disjointed. It's just in researching it is where I noticed this, and I'm like, wow, that's kind of strange that they did it that way. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of cool. We're not really here to talk about ROM as awesome as that would be. We're here to talk about Russ Never Sleeps, which was written by Alan Moore. Yes, that Alan Moore. The artist was Alan Davis. Yes, that Alan Davis. And it was lettered by Jenny O'Connor. No, not that Jenny O'Connor. So R2-D2 and C-3PO are unceremoniously dumped on the junk planet of Ronyard. Ronyard! <laughs> Where droids go when they die. <laughs> die, die, every... Anyway, uh, they <laughs> stowed away on uh, this space garbage scout as part of a nonsensical plan to, uh, I guess, recruit the droids of Ranyard. No, they want to stop the Empire from from taking all the scrap metal from there. Right, but in order to do that, they're going to recruit these droids. Now, I thought the whole idea Yeah, I don't think they knew they were going to be there in the first place. Yeah, it, it makes no sense because right, right. they're supposed to be dead, right? So why, otherwise, well, why yeah, dispose and, of them? And so. what are R two and three PO gonna do? Maybe they were there to just scout ahead or something. I don't know. <laughs> they're not gonna stop the Empire from doing anything. At least, you know, it just it just occurred to me. Maybe this was somebody's plot to like get rid of R two and three PO. <laughs> I you know I yeah, can see we got a secret mission so for you. Yeah, exactly. I can see, you know, R2 I wouldn't want to get rid of, but 3PO, I could I could actually, I could totally see that, really. Um, anyway, they're, they're trying to recruit, this is what I gathered anyway, was that they were trying to recruit the droids of Ronyard to, again, I, I thought they were supposed to be dead, you know, otherwise, you know, why dump them there? But uh, they're trying to recruit the droids to fight the Empire, you know, because the, the Empire is going to inevitably show up. And they're going to want to mine this planet for valuable metals. That that's what three PO says. Now, apparently, nobody in that galaxy far, far away ever heard of recycling. So, um, you know, actually, except I can't for the Empire, I, who's coming to get the scrap metal. I can't believe I even brought that up because now this stupid story has got me talking like a goddamn hippie. But anyway, three <laughs> PO makes fast friends. Well, with don't his, worry, it's uh, the Empire that's doing the recycling. So there you go. <laughs> right. 
3PO makes fast friends with Brother Five Line. Yes, that's his name. Brother Five Line. Think think tweaky yes. with an hyperactive thyroid, okay? Yes. And we find that the planet is inhabited by pussy pacifist robots that have formed some kind of freaky cult around Ronyard, thinking of the planet as their living god. Well, they remind me of the what's-her-names from Star, from Star Trek pacifists who had godlike powers but just didn't tell anybody. That's true. I to- Yeah, you know, I totally didn't put... Uh, the Organians? Organians, yeah. This yeah. is totally like the Organians story. I hadn't even... Yeah, you're right. Did I mention this story was written by Alan Moore? I don't think you have to. It's pretty apparent. Man. Man. So anyway, <laughs> the Imperials arrive and Big Tweaky goes out to talk to them, but uh, a squad of stormtroopers cuts him down, much much to 3PO's horror. I, I thought this was a great place for 3PO to shed a tear. It doesn't happen, mm-hmm. but it would have been a good place for that. Suddenly, the very planet itself comes alive, pelting the troopers with rivets and cables and scrap metal and all manner of discarded mechanical shit. And the ground itself rips up and actually consumes the Star Destroyer. The Star Destroyer, I, I forgot to mention, had actually landed on the planet to like let the stormtroopers out, which I thought was kind of cool. It consumes the Star Destroyer, crew and all, and then it all settles back down, leaving no trace of the Imperial Dreadnought. And that's pretty much the end of the story, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, what do you got on this one? It's not bad. Um, I It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Moore is not maybe the best combination for Star Wars and I think I put my finger on it with these three stories and Alan Moore likes to go into supernatural and spiritual angles and interdimensional weird quantum physics angles on stories and there really isn't much room for that in Star in Star Wars I, you know, there's not I, much room for other other dimensions except warp, <laughs> except going into I, hyperdrive, not warp, but going into hyperdrive. And there's no room for any other kind of religion or or spirituality or supernatural stuff outside of the force. I, I was just going to say that, you know. When when you're talking about say like episode four style Star Wars, I completely agree with you. But if you think of like Empire and like the scenes of of Luke on Dagobah, why if Moore wanted to write that kind of shit, then why didn't he do a story like that? You know, focus on Luke and do a f- untold flashback tale of Luke's training on Dagobah, or Luke meets. You know, lost, forgotten Jedi master. He might have had or, you know, story you know, ideas that he just like lashed. When they said, "Hey, you want to do a Star Wars story?" He said, "Okay," and he lashed them onto his story. You know. Yeah, could be. What else you got? That's about <laughs> it for it. I mean, I like the art. I, I like the British style of art and how it looks. I think it's a good mix with Star Wars. It's a little weird, but I just love that style of art. Um, you know, there's some. I mean, I think it's cool with the, when it has a picture of giant Tweaky with his like hand on C3PO's shoulder and his hand is just like humongous. But beyond that, uh. <laughs> there's just not much going on you know it's a it's a it's kind of a cute little story it was kind of the organians though you know yeah 
And um, I mean, I sort of saw where it was going <laughs> when I was reading it. It was just like, yeah, they're not worried. Cause, and then I was like, yeah, this is only four pages. So <laughs> I have a feeling there's a reason they're not worried. But that's about it. Well, I had a few notes on this. Not a whole lot, because like you say, it's it's a short little story. I was, you know, you got me thinking about something, though, is uh, I never watched a hell of a lot of the animated Star Wars. But I know that there was, wasn't there like a special or a movie or something? It was something about like, like R2 and 3PO and the Great Heap or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I wonder if that has any relation to this at all. It was a droids thing. Yeah. It was an Elvana thing. Yeah. But it wasn't the great heap like, um, oh, what the hell, Fraggle Rock. (laughs) I I just seem to remember something that that looked visually similar to this where they were talking to like a giant pile of, I don't know, it was garbage. It was garbage. Discarded metal or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't know if anybody else knows anything more about that. Write in and let us know. I vaguely remember seeing it actually on YouTube some point years ago. Right. Now, uh, again, this was originally printed in Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back 156. Um, I sent you the cover of this just so we could look at it real quick. I thought the cover of this was really interesting because for a change, and and they actually did this quite a bit with the UK title, uh, it's not a comic book cover. It's actually pictures. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's you have right underneath the logo. By the way, this was originally 40p, 40 pence. Right underneath the logo, you've got two photos side by side. One is that classic picture of TIE fighters pursuing the Falcon while two Star Destroyers are behind, you know, behind the TIEs, you know, in pursuit as well. The funny thing about that is that picture's upside down. Yes. So you've got the... You know, it it's, wouldn't it really looks be very noticeable. much like a Famous Monsters magazine or it something. It does. I think there might have been a Famous Monsters with that on the cover. I, I can't remember, though. It's very likely. And then the picture beside of it, to the right of it, is uh, filthy R2-D2 on Dagobah, which is dirty, I really dirty like that R2. <laughs> dirty, filthy R2. And then the weird one is underneath it, uh, all by itself, because it actually stretches the, the width of the cover, is the Ralph McQuarrie painted picture of Luke walking away from his crashed snowspeeder as uh, an uh, AT-AT advances on him. But there's verbiage on here that says the power of metal over flesh is the power of droid world. And I'm thinking, what? Because that's a really weird bit of verbiage to use because there actually was, right around this same time, a story called Droid right. World. And so I just thought that was really strange that they decided to go with and that. And it could have actually worked with that byline, too. Yeah, yeah, it could have. It's It's really strange. Um, I, I only have just a couple, just the barest of notes on this, because I, I hate to say it, I really didn't care for it all that much. Um, bottom uh, bottom panel, first page, done on that left-hand side, that column of, like, bodies, you know, of the different mechanicals, there's that one R2 unit dome-like-looking thing right underneath the second caption box, Right to the left of that. Doesn't that kind of look like Walrus Man right there? It does a little bit. Yes, it does. <laughs> I just thought that was really weird looking. Um, seriously, nobody in the Empire recycles? That just seems kind of 
it, it just seems kind of silly, honestly. You would think in a wartime a, economy, you'd be re- all metal is like yeah, wartime, and also you know if you're in a galactic linked civilization like this, you would think recycling would be particularly important because you, I mean, you would think that pollution would become a serious consideration. Well, but, but I mean, I don't if know. you can take all your junk and dump it on a planet, it doesn't really become a consideration. You can well, I, I guess. forget about it, you know. I guess, but then eventually, you know, depending on how long your civilization lasts, then you wind up with a bunch of planets that are just, they got a bunch of shit on them. You have them, a crappy you know? neighborhood, you just moved to another planet, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, um, let me see if I got this straight. According to Giant Tweaky, the discarded robots form some sort of collective sentience conscience thing as just... they corroded and fused together? Yeah. What? That's That sounds legit. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know how circuits work better when when they start getting rusty and rapid. I guess. Yeah. So it's Alan second... Moore, it's weird. Yeah. Philo- like not philosophy, spirituality stuff. I guess. I could see that with well, I mean, this is completely ridiculous too, but I could see that with like biological they should have had because that's kind of where he went with swamp thing. But I mean, these are they these are mechanical had, things. They should have had giant Tweaky was this tech robot, and he lived and he just started finding all the pieces that worked and wired it into a giant. Right. That it should have been that would have made more sense than just like you pile enough robots up, and right. you know you're going to come out with with a super consciousness. It's just right. It's pretty silly. Yeah. Uh, second page, third panel, 3PO mentions horseplay, and that's literally what he says, horseplay, so establishing horses in the Star Wars universe way before Han would ride a horse in that one story. Totally reminds me of one of the things Karen Travers said in that book, which she's just like, when I realized, you know, there were no oranges in Star Wars, I couldn't compare something to the surface of an orange. I had to use totally different things. So it's always weird when, yeah... A, a, a word like that shows up. Three PO shows says, a guest writer, <laughs> right? Three PO says uh, that part of the master plan is here. He says uh, Master Luke and his friends have uh, the Empire's western flank under siege at this moment. I'm thinking, what the hell does that even mean? Mm-hmm. He's just throwing out nonsense mm-hmm. terms at this point. Uh, they corrected it. In, see, I did, actually did something different this time around. I read all three of these stories from the original source and then went back and just kind of breezed through um, yeah, Devil that's... Worlds just to kind of compare differences. And there actually were some. Uh, and I found that not only is Devil Worlds colored, whereas the original stuff is in black and white, but they corrected some things too because at the bottom of page 259... That last caption box says, the ship is an Imperial Star Destroyer. Uh, the word Imperial is misspelled in the original uh, text. It's it misspelled as E-M-P. Imperial. Yeah, Imperial instead of Imperial. And lastly, and this actually happens in more than one story uh, that we're going to cover tonight. Um, the uh, One of the Imperial Stormtroopers, I've lost it here. I didn't write it down, but they say, uh, they're, they're taken by surprise and they go, Oh, here it is. It's the top of page 263rd panel. He goes, 
Vader's eyes. Will you look at the size of that? So Vader's eyes is some sort of weird thing they yell like like yeah. you know, Great Scott or holy shit or something. Yeah, Odin's just, beard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for Asgard, for for Vader's eyes. Yeah, it's kind of stupid. All right, yeah, that's all I got on this gem. What do you got? That's I already gave you all I got. <laughs> You got the next stories, which I got. do got the next story. I'm just actually I'm I'm gonna set you up because well I don't know did you did you do any homework on on the origins of this story or you just I didn't do any on the origins I did I had to do some homework and uh, the credits of it okay because they're not in Devil oh you're Fields. right they're not, not all right so I, real I mean quick, I knew you're... it was obviously an Alan Moore story. Super quick, this is all I got on this one, uh, is that the story you're about to cover was uh, featured in The Empire Strikes Back Monthly, number 151. It was the first feature in the book. Uh, the co-features were Craven, Warrior of Mars, which strangely gets more compelling for me every time I see it. One of these days I'm going to have to track that down because it actually does look kind of interesting. And something called A Tale of the Watcher, which was weird because I didn't see the Watcher in it anywhere. So I don't know what the hell that was all about. I didn't read them. They, they were just the co-features that were in there. Huh. That's it. Well, I, I found out <laughs> that Adolfo Bouye, it's either Bouye if he's Spanish, which Adolfo could be, the two L's are a Y, but it could be Buila. It's a very strange name. B U Y double L A. B U Y double L A. That spells <laughs> something I don't know how to say. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, <coughs> amuse myself. <clears throat> and I do other things to myself too. Uh, letters by Jenny O'Connor and colored by Laura Allred, which is a very colorful name. I wonder if she's related to Mike Allred. I don't know. I'm assuming everybody's British, at least. Well, I don't know about it. Uh, not necessarily, because Matt Webb did some coloring in one of these. And I've met Matt Webb. I don't believe he was English, not to the best of my knowledge. That's true, and these colors were done after the fact. Too. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. All right. Because so. I started to make a note of that uh, about Matt Webb, and I'm like, oh, I guess Mar Matt Webb worked for Marvel. And then I was like, no, dumbass, he colored it for Dark Horse, <laughs> not for the original book. You know, but it took me a minute to figure it out. You know, because we're not too too bright. Because slow sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Han, Chewie, and Leia are um, after after a miss mission on a very um, Mos Eisley type planet are pursued by pirates into a weird space Bermuda Triangle. Turns out that they enter an evil dimension of the five, a group of space sadists who quickly dispatch <laughs> the pirates who fo followed them but save Han and Leia for extended special yummy torture. Mistaking Chewie for a dumb animal, they stick him in their interdimensional space zoo. This is a big mistake since Chewie is um, on the game and he releases a pissed off quote unquote demon, which the five have trapped in a crystal. The demon destroys the five in mid mind rape of Han and Leia and then they depart. 
laughing off the fact that they have just freed a godlike evil entity into the universe. Red Jack, Red Jack, Red Jack! Die, die, die! Everybody oh, that would, die! That would, great way to connect Star Wars and Star Trek yep. is that it turns out that this is Jack Red the Jack. Ripper a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. He eventually became Jack the Ripper. Red I Jack. I like this idea. I like this idea a lot. Goddamn Chewie, anyway. I gotta say... Okay, it's in the omnibus. It would be page 263, but it's the second page of the story. First time, Chewy junk. <laughs> what? Look at that panel. Oh, oh. no. <laughs> I didn't need to see that. <laughs> oh, no. Last episode, at least, we didn't get any good Chewy dialogue, really, but... <laughs> We finally get this. No, finally there's... does the full Monty in the last, no. <laughs> the last act. No, there's some good. There is some good when you. We've got a harangue. <laughs> we've got uh, what else do we got? No, I there actually was some good chewy dialogue here. What was the other one I saw that was really funny? I should have making a note. There's a harangue. Uh, everything's a question too. I love it. Harangue. <laughs> Gurank. <laughs> That's a Scooby one right there. Narag. Narag. He is totally Sasquatch in this. Oh, Look yeah. At the he's bottom of 271. He looks like a cross between Sasquatch and. Oh, what else does he look like? He kind of looks like. He kind of looks like. Uh, what did they call him on the $6 million man? They call him Sasquatch or they call him Bigfoot? I, I think forget. he was Bigfoot, yeah. Bigfoot, yeah. He looks like yeah, Bigfoot. You're right. You're right. He, he looks, looks like, like this Bigfoot doll. from those Slim Jim commercials. Yes. <laughs> I work with that guy. <laughs> we do. We have this big lumbering kid, and like people like to pick on him, and I'm like, don't mess with Sasquatch, man. You saw the commercials. <laughs> He actually bonks the guy on that Space Archie Bunker. He bonks him right on the head. I like that part. You got Space Archie Bunker. One of the the big pirates muscle guys, like, sort of like He-Man on, like, bad steroids. <laughs> you know, he's got kind of a drug addict, a little bad, you know, hard-living He-Man look to him. Right. Um this like one was kind of like a Star Trek episode, you know. This is yeah. more of a this. These are like maybe these are Tree Lane's, you know, great grandparents or something. Yeah. The only thing in this I honestly liked at all was I liked again. You can definitely tell it's Alan Moore. <laughs> yeah. Is the the demon thing that's trapped in it? I got the sense that the thing that it's trapped in keeps it trapped because of the the weird shapes like because the of the crystalline structure the, yeah. or something yeah yeah and i thought that was actually really cool it's a very alan moore like concept and it kind of this whole menagerie kind of reminded me of superman's fortress in the in the yes. pre-crisis days when it was populated by you know all these creatures he'd rescued and stuff I don't know if that's intentional or not, but that's definitely what I. Except the creatures are more freakish. Like the pig, that pig looks like a human hand, with a pig head for a finger. Sort of, it's just bizarre looking. I noticed that uh, 
he really likes people like like explode dissolve type of thing because yes. the shot on the bottom of 274 reminds me of when the dude that becomes Dr. Manhattan is disintegrated in in Watchmen it's a, it's very yes. similar just like sort of have... like you see a skeleton with a few charred crumbs being blown off it of whatever yeah. was left of whoever's in it and blown into Kirby dots yeah yeah, yeah. What the hell is up with Han at the top of page 274? I know, he's got... Well, I think maybe he's been sweating and his hair's a little greasy or something. He he looks like one of the... He looks like one of the pioneers or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's just, a little that's, that's, that is, yeah, it's a little Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's young, got something Young Abe Lincoln in Illinois. That's yeah, exactly put some facial like... hair on him and... <laughs> now, uh, at the moment, I'm looking at the uh, the omnibus... But at the top of that page, two seventy four, where he's where Han's going, Chewy, it's it's spelled right. <laughs> it's it's spelled right. But all throughout the original printing of this, he called him Chewy, like you know, like a Charleston Chew. It yes, C H E W Y. It was either Y or E Y. I forget. I think it was Y. So yeah, it's just kind of weird. Um. Did I have anything? You know, all I really had on this was Space Archie Bunker, and uh, I didn't understand why they gave it a very Earth-centric title. You know, the Pandora effect, mm-hmm. you know, with Pandora being clearly an Earth reference, right. I thought was You're opening was Pandora's off. box by releasing this demon. Yeah. Basically. I it ain't that it had a space... I like. I was at the beginning, I was like, oh, not another story on, a, on another you know, Moss Eisley world. And it's like, okay, we're leaving there. All right. Right. And it's like, Oh, space Bermuda triangle. Okay. I like that. And then it, and then it's, and then it was a Star Trek episode. Like come in. Now we shall amuse ourselves by yeah. slowly. T- it's just like, Oh, come on. Oh, it's, it's, it's King Ty and what's her face toying with them in, in cat's paw. Yes. Yes. There just should have been a giant pussy cat at some point. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You know, it ain't Carmine Infantino, but I'm noticing that uh, that Leia, that she's not too Leia bad. Might be at retaining some water in this episode. Yes, <laughs> not what I meant, but yeah. Um, I once again, <laughs> I, it's that British style art. I like it, uh, except for Abe Lincoln Han. For the most part, <laughs> I like the way people's faces look in in the British style art. Um. <laughs> I like the uh, Jello Princess evil pr- Jello Princess Leia that turns into Archie Bunker at, at one scene just before he gets bonk bonk oh, on yeah. the head. Yeah, that's creepy. After he's threatening her with his space electric toothbrush. <laughs> it does. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> Is it safe, Han? Is it safe? Murark. <laughs> I do like that he bonks him on the yes. head though. It is a mark right. on the head too. <laughs> Are we ready for the last one? <laughs> oh yeah, and oh yeah. Can I uh, mention that it's a steady slide downhill? All right, begin. <laughs> All right, this one is called Talatni Throws a Shape. <laughs> was, the, <laughs> was the first feature in the Empire Strikes Back monthly number one fifty four, which also featured Kill Raven, Warrior of Mars, and the first half of Coffin in the Clouds from Marvel Star Wars 156. <laughs> now, 
<laughs> Not that kind of coffin. Oh, oh. Now, that's the story that ends with Lando oh, being that's... kicked off Cloud Oh, yeah, City. that's... Yeah! Although, that doesn't happen until the next issue in the British monthlies, because they split the story right in half. So, again, this story is written by Alan Moore, and damn does it show. <laughs> you think this... Oh, yeah. man. Um, John Stokes was the illustrator on this one, and Jerry Paris was the letterer. Okay, so here you go. Princess Leia Organa is running for her life across a barren desert-like dust ball at night while the Imperial troops who forced her down pursue her. Suddenly, she trips, spraining her ankle and goes sprawling. The object she tripped over is revealed to be an Imperial Stormtrooper helmet, apparently lying there for thousands of years. Thousands of years. <laughs> but that's impossible, she says to herself. The Empire hasn't been around that long, which I actually kind of like that part. Injured, the princess limps off, trying to evade her pursuers. Elsewhere, Talatni has thrown a shape, whatever the hell that means. Talatni who looks kind of like fire from 90s Justice League comics, appears to be some sort of naive Q-like being with incredible powers over space and time. Newly arrived in the Star Wars universe, she delights in her abilities, and when other Q-like beings show up, she claims to have created everything that they see. That's when Leia shows up, stormtroopers right behind her, and Talatni and her peers are intrigued by these quote-unquote tiny movers. The others chide Talatni for repeating a shape, meaning that all the stormtroopers look the same. So Talatni changes one, turning a screaming trooper into jagged glass. One of the beings senses quote-unquote soft things inside Leia, you that make her work and decide to turn one into a quote-unquote hard thing. <laughs> make your own jokes, yeah, folks. Yeah, make it work. <laughs> Leia's heart becomes a diamond, and she dies. She does. She really dies. The remaining two troopers, scared shitless by this demonstration, slowly back away. Which is awful are... when you're in stormtrooper armor. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Now, well, they don't make it very far. Talatni fuses them together into one living being, killing both. Bored, now that none of the tiny movers is moving anymore, the beings decide to depart, leaving one of their group behind to clean things up. The traffic cone-looking being restores the three troopers to life, but not really understanding concepts like space and time all that much, strands them 8,000 years in the planet's past. Leia also awakes, surrounded by the long dead bones of the troopers, and she remembers that she had actually died and decides to forget the whole ordeal as stranger things have happened in space. No, not in Star Wars space. <laughs> right. This is officially the weirdest <laughs> non-Star Wars feelings, even more than Space Cthulhu. This is, a, this yes. is the most non-Star Wars... Yes. Seeming. This seems like an Alan Moore concept that he just slapped Princess Leia into. Yep. And Here's the weird thing, though. Here, this is the thing that'll blow your mind. I don't know if you'll remember this, but way back in Marvel Star Wars number 35, which was the very beginning of the story where Luke 
where it, it starts off and they're on Yavin 4 still. The base was still on Yavin 4. And they receive a delegation from the planet Monastery. And Sister Tag comes, or they didn't know mm-hmm. she was a tag at the time. Sister Domina is is leading the little delegation and everything. They come there, and Luke decides to volunteer for the mission. You you know the the story I'm talking mm-hmm. about, right? There's on page 15 of that story. There's two or three panels that show Leia with a bandaged ankle, and there's a footnote by the editor that says to be explained later or something like that. That's this story. That's how she sprained her ankle. So all these years later, as and I completely agree with you, as non-Star Wars as this story is, it's odd that it's the one story that actually does have direct ties. Ties in Westford. Yeah, it's isn't that weird? It is weird. So yeah, everything about it's weird. Yeah, usually a good thing for me, but it just doesn't. It doesn't mix and. And make any sense. If this was, I would have liked this story a lot more if it wasn't Princess Leia in it, if it was just a character being pursued by a space army. Right. You know, and it's like about, and it's, it, once again, back to Star, Star Trek, it's a very sort of Tree Lane story. There, there are three yes. like omniscient beings that have popped into our dimension and have discovered, you know, things in different, you know, things that are solid and, so they're experimenting with making themselves look, which makes me wonder, how the hell does Talatni know how to look like a beautiful woman before seeing any, you know, by just seeing a barren world? But anyway, you know, and they take all their their forms. And, you know, I understand that whole, like, what he was going for there. Like, this is the way these guys are, like, portraying themselves symbolically in our world or whatever. Right. Not really. That's, you know... That can fly in a Star Trek ep- story, but it doesn't see it. It doesn't really fly in Star Wars like that, right? And uh, yeah, the, the only moment of this entire story, honestly, that I really liked was as the the beings are all kind of feeling out their powers and everything. There's a moment. There's one of them is called Splendid App, which I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean. I guess it's just his name. But there's a moment where you see a panel. This is on page 279. The third panel, Splendid App, who literally does look like a traffic cone with eyes and a mouth. Mm -hmm. There's like, what is it, like six of him in a row. It's just a weird panel. And one of the other beings is scolding him and saying, no, Splendid App, the essence of time is sequence. One place at a time, Splendid App, one place at a time. So basically... You're seeing him in, as like a fil- bunch of film frames. Yeah, all at the same time. I, I kind of that's kind of high concept. Yeah, I liked that's that. That's That was interesting. Yeah, and, 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 it, and it plays into later when he restores the troopers to life, but just kind of, you know, accidentally restores them 8,000 years prior. You know, they're still yeah. physically in the same space, but they're out of sequence with time. It's kind of like a Hitchhiker's Guide Marvin gag or something. Yeah. Like here, yeah, so yeah, here for 8,000 years. Wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. But I think even in his other stories, as weird as they were and, and off from Star Wars, at least they sort of 
added to the characters or gate or potentially added to the characters or stuff. This still really does. Princess Leia is just, there's no reason for her to be Princess Leia. Right. She doesn't come out of it any different. As a matter of fact, she's just like, I just going to forget this ever happened. And, and that's, that's the end of it. So there's really no reason for it to be set in the star Wars universe. There's really no reason for it to be princess Leia. It right. just doesn't do it. It, it does something whereas it's like, oh, hey, that's a cool, some cool ideas that Alan Moore had. So self-indulgent is, I guess, what yeah. I'm going to say. <laughs> it it seems completely ridiculous to even nitpick a story mm-hmm. like this one. Yeah. But I do have one. And that's the fact that, okay, so the troopers get stranded 8,000 years in the past, and there's that great moment where they realize it, too, and, and they realize, oh, man. Yep. And then we cut to present day with Leia, and she's in the same physical spot, and here's their bones. So what, these assholes just sat there and died? They they didn't try to, like, you know, go find a settlement or go find food or shelter, and they just stayed there and died? Maybe they just pulled off their... Well, actually, I guess the air isn't that toxic there because she was running around. Right. Maybe they pulled off their... Maybe they... No, their bones are there, too. I don't know. Right. Yeah. They just lost <laughs> the will to live and just laid down and died. Yep. So that's what stormtroopers do. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, it's a humdinger, that's for sure. Mm. Ding! <laughs> yeah, what a way to go out with Marvel Star Wars, huh? And yeah, I know. I, I wish we'd gone out on a higher note, but you know, on well, that it's subject, pretty high, man. But it's not high like up in the air. It's like yeah. high, like Chris Honeywell. <laughs> well, what do we want to say about the future? It looks bright. I've got to wear shades. <laughs> I've, I'm, of course, you know, Star Wars, this is the end of Star Wars Monthly Monday, as it were. You know we're not going to not do Star Wars every month. So, and this is not, I'm sure, the end of Star Wars comics. It's just the end of meticulous, let's cover this run of comics from beginning to end, you know. Right. It's, it's the end of it being an index show. Mm-hmm. We are going to end Star Wars Monthly Monday. We're going to start up a new feed, and it's going to be called Growing Up Star Wars. It's going to be a more general Star Wars. I mean, what else has this show been but Star Wars and how it impacted evolved us. and affected us? And that it's just going to be more of the same of that, but we're going to be able to widen it up into all topics Star Wars. Yep. The way I'm envisioning it, and, and of course, you know, it's still in the formula of stages. We, of course, have not recorded the first episode yet or anything. And, and it is, you know, as things are when they first start up, it's in a state of flux. It's in a state of becoming. But the way I kind of envision it is, uh, like Chris said, it's, you know, we're, we're off the index format. We can go anywhere that we want to. We can do so much more than just than just comics. I, I can see episodes where we can talk about, you know, the trading cards and the magazines. And I want it. while I do, of course, want to touch on new developments in the Star Wars universe and everything, I also, I, I really want to focus more on the nostalgic aspect. You know, the the, the original trilogy era. See, it all ties in together we kids with kids. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I obviously, I don't see the show becoming like a new show on like the new... But I mean, not that not that we've shied away from talking about anything we've wanted to on Star Wars Monthly Monday. 
but there won't be you know that you you won't know maybe from month to month it's like okay next month is going to be issue 56 <laughs> right yeah exactly um who knows down the line maybe the new marvel star wars comic will be so amazingly awesome that we'll want to do that again who knows we'll be able to do whatever we want yep yep ultimate power and we won't be alone so come back yeah yeah we uh, we have some surprises for you on that front so absolutely so i would say please join us uh this you know this time next month for uh, the first episode of growing up star wars we think you guys are really gonna enjoy it. i'm really excited for it and i hope the listeners are really excited for something something new with a familiar feel there you go If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at ForumForGeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.